do the intro. I did, I did it last time. Okay. Hello, this is the intro to the Cold Pizza Party Okay, I'll podcast. do the intro. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what up, players? <laughs> players. Players. Say it, say it again. <laughs> what up, players? <laughs> uh, welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name's Lubitsa. And I'm Adam. And this is a podcast where we talk about politics and TV. Our politics are leftist. Our tastes in TV are pretty trashy. Uh, we've been watching a lot of YouTube videos lately, hence our new, more exciting uh, intro of the What yeah. Up Players <laughs> with the ER <laughs> emphasized, uh, as we've seen, is done on the old YouTube. Yeah, so we have uh, another podcast. I feel like they say it more like to do. It. What up, players? Oh, that's true. Well, no, but they, if you're going to be like a top YouTuber, you have to be like amped up, man, like out <laughs> of your mind, like for no, no discernible reason. Like you're just so excited the entire time. You have to be as high energy as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and our podcast is like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> our podcast is extremely low energy. Like our song is low energy. Whenever we start, it's very low yeah. energy. Towards the it's end, nice. we get excited and we build up some yeah. energy. Or we get angry. I sometimes. always think like, oh, it's too bad that this is like an hour and twenty minutes, and we only got really excited or angry like twenty minutes out from the end. Yeah. So like, no one's gonna hear this part. Um, but yeah, we we tend to start off pretty low energy. Although you know what, I feel like just doing that made made this a, a higher energy start than usual. So okay. maybe we should start our podcast that way. So with our high energy intro out of the way, let's get straight into our recommendations. Sure. So I have uh, two recommendations. My first recommendation to buy the La Roche-Posay thermal spring water spray and put it in your fridge and then mist your face throughout the day with cold, moisturizing, wonderful spray. (laughs) Uh, It's incredible. And if you live in Texas and you're hot as balls, it's a really nice feeling every so often. But if you don't want to go out and buy shit, I would recommend the YouTube channels that we've been watching lately of people making fun of these high-energy YouTubers. So there's a guy named Eddie Burback. There's a guy named Drew Goodman. Or Goodem. Goodem. G-O-O-D-E-N, I think. I guess I should have looked this up. And there's a guy named Danny Gonzalez. That's another thing about our podcast. We're low energy. We don't look things up. We don't have anything prepared in front of us. Yeah, well, we're in the South in, like, the dead heat of summer. So, like, you know, give us a break. I'm sure it looks like a good Instagrammer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, so we've been checking out these channels. I don't know. I feel like... A lot of times we have been like, what do people watch on YouTube? How do people spend any time, like, really watching YouTube? And, Mm -hmm. like, there are good, like, channels. Like, obviously, you know about ContraPoints and stuff like that. They're good, like, political channels. But, like... That's the only really good one, though. Yeah. That we've seen. Yeah. But, like, in general, like, we were like, how do people spend, like, hours on here, you know? The H Bomber guy videos about like Sherlock are really good. That's a good way to yeah. spend like ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, that video is crazy Stephen long, Moffitt, but it's really quite how good. bad Stephen Moffat sucks. Yeah. yeah, that's a great one. There's a little side recommendation for you. Yeah, but yeah, so basically, uh, these guys are. I guess they're like in a little friendship circle, and they all make different types of videos, but essentially like commentary videos and yeah, some of them got started on Vine, I guess. Yeah. 
and they're like actually really funny and we've like been enjoying watching them and, and they mostly do deep dives into different internet content yeah that sucks yeah uh which is really pretty entertaining to watch and also like i don't know obviously it's really irritating to see like really high energy youtubers like jake paul and and those and the... gang 10 people <laughs> team 10 I think. team 10 Low gang, team 10. I gotta get it right. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a lot older yeah. than the intended demographic. You are not going to be able to pass for a 15-year-old girl. <laughs> no, no. But it's, like, really irritating to see those people. So it's really cool to see that there are other people on YouTube that are actually, like, thoughtful and creative and want to be funny but are also, like, genuine people, you know? Yeah. Who are just, like, not trying to put on a, I don't know, like, a face for you know, YouTube or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they seem pretty chill and pretty funny and I'd say go check them out. Cool. So my, my recommendation, is it time for my recommendation? I feel a little (laughs) nervous about talking today for some reason. Why? When we first started doing the podcast, you know, I had a hard time getting motivated to do it and talking on mic and stuff. Yeah. And I just got it like a flash of that again for some reason. Huh. Hasn't happened lately, but. Oh, is it because you're just dying of heat stroke (laughs) it might be (laughs) so my recommendation would be is in fact wohe lit it's a new you know lit mag literary mag internet based and uh the everything in there is good which i don't think has happened to me in a long time that i've read some issue of a mag on the internet and thought every piece was good and it's uh i'll put a link in the description but it's spelled W-O-H-E. I think you can Google that and find it like a, you know, adult human in the current year. You can use Google to find stuff. and Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It's edited by Jesse Knowles, who has written some of the, my favorite poetry that I've read in like the last year. Um, everything that she writes is like direct, straightforward, weird, fun. Um, easy to read without being like bland or boring and every every piece in this journal is like that too there's also fiction that's actually really good that i don't remember the fiction editor's name but so yeah that's my recommendation cool cool check it out it's good cool thanks for keeping up the high energy that i created <laughs> um, it deserves high energy i just can't do it that's yeah to be clear yeah um okay so Let's talk about this thing I wanted to tell you about. So this week, I was just like reading things on the internet, as I do. And I came across, I don't know, different points in the week, three different articles that seem to essentially be touching on like the same phenomenon, but like in different ways. And they're all like pretty like heavily data-based, which I also think is interesting. So it's like not just that I or we have this sense that this thing is happening so so much as like it's like empirically happening. So the first article was this article. It's an opinion piece, but uh, it's by like this um, data dude, co-founder of Data for Progress. So it's oh, not really I his saw opinion that as much as it is just like here's what's happening. Yeah, I just came across that site. Yeah, recently. I think I shared it. Oh, I might have shared this article with you also on Twitter. Oh, I think I saw it. Okay. Else. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> The, so this uh, article is called The Rising Racial Liberalism of Democratic Voters. And it basically talks about how 
Democratic voters not that long ago were pretty fucking racist, and now they are less racist. Cool. uh, Which is good. But also, they are a lot less likely to blame racial outcomes on individual shortcomings versus systemic racism. So essentially, Democrats are uh, becoming less racist and they're becoming more aware of systemic problems that keep people down. Yeah. So like, for example, uh, in 2011, uh, they asked people, um, slavery and past discrimination still hold black people back today. And the respondents in 2011, 48% of Democrats, right? of Democrats agreed. agreed that like the history of slavery is holding black people back still. To this day. Yeah, which frankly, 48 seems a that's little low. low. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not believe that? I don't really, know. Like... But that's 2011 Democrats for you. And then um, maybe because they were just congratulating themselves in the middle of the Obama years. Yeah. I don't know. Obama's president now. Yeah. It's like slavery never existed. Yeah. I don't know. But now 62% agree. Or here's one that I found really shocking. Um, over the past few years, black people have gotten less than they deserve. In, t- in 2011, only 27%, oh 27% of respondents agreed with that, of Democrats oh agreed with so that. So presumably these people know black people, you know, have less money. They have less power. They're less successful in television and movies. Yes. And they, oh, they deserve that. Th- they get less of an education in this country. <laughs> like they are less likely to have positive outcomes. They're less likely to get to live if yeah. they have an interaction Obviously, with the Obviously a officer. lot more of them in, poli- in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. what they deserve according to 75% of 2011 Democrats. Yeah, pretty much. Um, here's where it kills me though. Cause it, it, so it increases, which is good. More people agree now that they get less than they deserve. But it goes from 27% to 55%. Wow. Which is still very, very low. That's still only like half of people in the Democratic Party believe that black people get less than they deserve. Yeah. Today. I'd like some more detail on what the people say. It's a sharp increase, 27% to 55%. And that's good. Yeah, it's good that it increased so much. But it's fucking crazy that it's so low. Yeah. I guess you have to assume people aren't thinking about this stuff for it to change that fast. And, like, you know, since 2014, we've just talked more about race. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the article talks about. And it talks about how, like, people have had to, like, um, already start paying the price politically for essentially not being as I mean, woke, mm-hmm. I guess, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, so that's good. Okay, so there's that article. I don't want to spend too much time on any single one of these articles because I want to build to the broader point here. So then we have a different article. This one is also an opinion piece, but with a lot of data. And it's called Centrists are more hostile to democracy, not extremists. So basically, he looked at extremely comprehensive studies of people's political leanings. It says, I examined the data from the most recent World Values Survey, 2010 to 2014, the European Values Survey, 2008, two of the most comprehensive studies of public opinion carried out over 100 countries. The survey asked respondents to place themselves on a spectrum from far left to center to right. I then plotted out the proportion of each group's support for key democratic institutions. And what he found is that 
In fact, centrists are the least likely to support democracy. democracy. Yeah, I saw this going around. I didn't realize it was worldwide. Yeah, he says across Europe and North America, support for democracy is in decline. Oh, so this is the Western world, or oh, you're just giving me more detail. Yeah, because he he looked at some. I guess okay. he looked at somewhere. He looked at America. So in America too. and Europe, overall support for democracy is, is in decline. Yeah. To explain this trend, conventional wisdom points to the political extremes. Both the far left and the far right are, according to this view, willing to ride roughshod over democratic institutions to achieve radical change. Moderates, by contrast, are assumed to defend liberal democracy, its principal institutions, uh, its principles and its institutions, which, like, if you ever watch, like, Bill Maher or whatever, he loves to position himself, yeah, he's a liberal, but, you know, he's... What he cares, he's a reasonable liberal. Mm -hmm. He's not like these crazy left-leaning liberals that don't say the N-word or whatever. I don't know, whatever you imagine. Because he's all for free speech and shit. Like, anyway. So it's just funny that that's like always been the prevailing wisdom. But the numbers indicate that this isn't the case. As Western democracies descend into dysfunction, no group is immune to the allure of authoritarianism, least of all centrists who seem to prefer strong and efficient government over messy democratic politics. Yeah, that's not surprising when you hear it and think about it. Yeah. And and it says strong men in developing world in the developing world. Like Modi have historically found support in the center. From Brazil and Argentina to Singapore and Indonesia, Mm. middle-class moderates have encouraged authoritarian transitions to bring stability and deliver growth. Capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. Could the same thing happen in mature democracies like Britain, France, and the United States? And the answer seems to be yes, based on the data. (laughs) So I thought that that was, like, fascinating. Do you have the numbers? Yeah, they're here. I mean, what? there's a bunch of numbers. What numbers <laughs> do you want to know about? I don't know. It's all right. I saw a graph that showed that the numbers of centrists who support democracy was like 30 or something. And people on the left, it was like high 60s. People on the right, it was Is know, this 50 or something. what you're talking about? This chart? Yeah. Yeah, this chart. It says uh, percentage of... Oh, this is Americans who support... Strong man leaders. Not exactly what I was talking about, but basically the same. So The, the numbers per- seem to be similar. Percentage of Americans who support strong man leaders. Centrists, 40%. Yeah. 40, two out of five. Pretty fucking high, yeah. Yeah. For the far left, it's 16. Yeah, you know? of course. But uh, what about Stalin? <laughs> For the far right, it's 28. And those are the numbers from 2010 to 2014 based yeah. on polls. So the centrists are by far higher than either extreme. I think for anybody interested in, like, the theoretical underpinnings of this, you can check out Corey Robbins' less famous book called Fear, Mm. where the reactionary mind is about conservatism, fear is about liberalism, and he looks at Hobbes, I think, de Tocqueville, Montesquieu, and Hannah Arendt, and uh, looks at how really the, like, animating drive for their political philosophy is fear of the masses. So each one of them in different ways talks about what you might call republicanism. Well, not Hobbes, but but they talk about like the tra- I think the traditional centrist view is like you need a strong centralized state to protect individuals. Mm-hmm. So they don't yeah. really care about democracy. They're afraid of the masses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, here's some of the most striking data reflects respondents' views of elections. Support for quote free and fair elections drops at the center 
for every single country in the sample. The size wow. of the support cent- for free and fair elections. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to Holy tell you. Shit. The size of the centrist gap is striking. In the case of the United States, fewer than half of the people in the political center view <laughs> elections as essential. Oh my god. Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah, that's really scary. That's really shocking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one really thing, fucking terrifying. It's one thing to fear like majoritarian rule. It's another to say like we don't value elections. Yeah. They're that's not necessary. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast, but lately I've been I kind of stalled. I always stall when I start cool books. Me too. Yeah. I, I've done the same thing. But I started reading um, Hatred of Democracy. Okay. It might be called Fear of Democracy, but I'm pretty sure it's Hatred of Democracy by Jacques Rancière. Okay. Um, I don't really know anything about him besides this book, but um, in, in chapter two, he's talking about how democracy is the only legitimate form of government because it's the only government that's political. Every other government, you know, let's say... Uh, dictatorship, um, what what would you call like a religious state? Oh, a theocracy? A theocracy, um, an oligarchy, or even lately it's been very trendy for some intellectuals to write in like the New York Times essays about how we need an epistemocracy or a technocracy, like rule by the, um, rule by the educated. So even that woman from Africa who's living in Britain or something for a long time was on Bill Maher talking about how oh we should weight people's votes based on their education level right yeah. that's an epistemocracy yeah that's fucking all of those seek... fuck you that is obviously just going to sorry but yeah. that's obviously just going to reproduce inequality because who yeah, gets yeah. to have a piece of paper that says i went to college i went to grad school i went to yeah yeah well each one of those different forms of government takes an existing hierarchy and tries yeah. to use that to justify the state or yeah, government okay, yeah. or rule. So whatever hierarchy you want, it could even be the oldest, you know, rule, a yeah. gerontocracy. Yeah. And we'll just have the oldest people rule. Sure. You're just taking a hierarchy that exists elsewhere, calling that like natural or the best hierarchy yeah. and trying to port it over yeah, to government, right? Yeah, this is just right? the way it is. Yeah. yeah. But Ranciere looks at democracy by going back to Athens. And in Athens, right, um, they had like a lottery to see who was going to be part of the the governor class right mm-hmm. i don't know to what extent if there were if they had like elections oh, being a senator this. yeah but they had some measure of chance uh-huh. to see who was going to rule yeah and that introduces like the idea of like uh divine favor for one thing and just luck yeah and unless he so he says democracy has this basis that is no basis because there's no reason why these people should rule. Right. They just get to rule. Yeah. And that's how you get politics. Yeah. Because you have to set up some system outside of these other hierarchies to legitimate a, an actual form of government based on politics. Mm. So I'm really convinced about that. Yeah. So I've been thinking lately that I'm actually like, I don't know, maybe pretty strongly committed to democracy. Yeah. Even if I want to, you know, even if socialism or communism or anarchism sounds cool, I feel like. All well, of that has to expand democracy, not constrict it. Yeah, for me absolutely. Personally. I don't know how else you would organize, like, yeah, fairly a like, you know, anarcho-communist yeah. society or a socialist society or whatever than without having yeah some and, measure of democ. I mean, I would say a decent measure of democracy because obviously we've seen how it goes when you go authoritarian. It doesn't yeah. go. It doesn't look so well. High. You're reproducing like a hierarchy of the strongest. For government yeah. and i think you can see when you look at it that way how it's doomed to failure because 
Yeah, no, you know, I think either you become weak to... and then you're delegitimated, or somebody else becomes stronger and they can take over. Yeah, yeah. Or best case scenario, in China, you win through war and then you become a technocracy, and now like you're you're only legitimate as long as your your rule by technocrats can provide for people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, definitely. That's... I think we need to work to expand democracy yeah. as much as possible and strengthen it. Obviously, uh, that's why I love like Richard Wolff when he talks about expanding democracy into the workplace. Yes. I think that's a really great way to um, essentially work towards socialism, but mm-hmm. in like a really workable way that I think w- you could easily get a lot of people on board. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I don't want to get too D- that sidetracked. Was a no, I mean, it was, I think it was good. Um, but I don't, I want to keep uh, getting to this last article. So then I was listening to, it's like the Intercept Spoken Word Edition, which is a podcast you can download where they just read you Intercept mm-hmm. articles. Oh, cool. I love it because there's so many times I want to read an article, but I also need to do the dishes or whatever. <laughs> and now I can just have them read cool Intercept articles to me, which is really nice. So this one came on while I was doing something and I was like, oh my God, I was just reading these other articles about this. <laughs> Party leaders are not strategic geniuses. They just really like moderates, new research finds. Mm. So they always tell us, we have to go towards the middle to win. Right. Not so much. Which we all, I think, knew and know. And it certainly seems really obvious lately. Like, obviously, yeah. like we had a primaries here in Texas where the hand-picked Democratic Party faves, like, embarrassingly lost mm. in, like, every... But I think on the primaries that have happened recently over and over again. Yeah. They've lost pretty badly. Obviously, the... Trump win. won. You know, he did not play to the center. Yeah. But my favorite delegitimization of that argument is that um, Rahm Emanuel brought blue dogs yeah. into the Congress. Yeah. And then when Obama became president, they just acted like Republicans. Yeah. So you couldn't get shit done. Yeah. Like, so what's the point? <laughs> so um, a paper in this month's edition of the peer-reviewed Legislative Studies Quarterly. Analyze a decade's worth of federal elections, finding that party organizations boost moderate candidates across the board, whether the general election is expected to be competitive or a long shot. In other words, party support for moderates does not mm. appear to be strategic, but sincere. They, they're not doing this uh, to have a better shot at winning elections, um, is basically the conclusion. Yeah. Uh, so they actually have strong incentives to prefer loyalists who can be trusted to implement its party's preferred policies after the nomination is basically yeah. the conclusion. In this case, it, yeah, it talks about how they, even in, like, <clears throat> if the whole point was, oh, well, you know, we really just, we have to win in this district, you know, it's more conservative, that's why we got to put moderates, or we're more likely to get swing voters if we put moderates in. You would expect that to be the case. Okay, fine, in competitive districts, maybe you'd want to have more moderate candidates. But then uh, they look at, like, an example here of a candidate running in Berkeley in California, where they say, uh, like, a communist is more likely to win than a Republican. So there's mm. no reason yeah. for them not to go as far left or to allow someone yeah. who wants to go as far left to go as far there's left. There's no reason for them to get involved at all, yeah. to expend any energy or True. resources at all in the primary. True. But instead, they have been expending a ton. Let me find Let me find the details You know Republicans here. aren't doing this either. They just let whoever's going to win, win. That's how they end up with crazy people. Yeah. Well... 
Uh, former Obama campaign aide Buffy Wicks is running for an open state assembly seat, receiving large donations from the likes of Obama's billionaire former Commerce Secretary Penny Pritzker. Um, the majority of her donations for a down-ballot assembly seat came from out of state oh my God. in the initial reporting period. This is precisely the type of party elite donations that Hassel, who's the person who did the study, uh, tracks to prove establishment support for moderates, regardless of the makeup of the district. Her opponent, uh, Richmond City Council person Yovanka Beckles, Meanwhile, has the support of the Working Families Party at the local Our Revolution chapter and a host of other progressive groups. But instead of allowing the progressive to run in Berkeley, California, mm-hmm. they are running this Obama-approved, yeah. you know, very moderate, um, yeah, former Obama campaign aide, Buffy Wicks. I mean, for God's sakes, her name's Buffy. You know, she's coming from a rich family. And then they have the gall in more significant races, whether it's president or senator or congressperson, to get mad at people for primarying them. Yeah, well, I mean, look at, wasn't it Steny Hoyer who was caught telling that guy in Colorado to just stop running? that up, yeah. This guy, there's, I think, an intercept video. That was also intercept, yeah. And on their YouTube channel, you can watch a video about it, right? Yeah. If you go looking there. That's how we learned about it. It was a good video. Yeah, it's and, a good video, yeah. Yeah, it was a guy who was running, was it even for Congress or in a lower seat? At the most, it was a congressional district. Yeah. And he uh, he was running, he was doing well. And, and he then, was trying to run as a progressive. Yeah. And they point out in the article that Obama told people, listen, if you want change, <laughs> yeah. you got to bring us to the left. Yes. You got to go out there and run. Yeah. And this guy was like, I like Obama. And I'm a progressive, and I liked Bernie, so I'm going to go change the party now, because that's, <laughs> that's what they told yeah. me to do. And I'm going to represent my little district yeah. here in, uh, in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were and like, then he fuck got, off. And then he got, like, multiple calls from Steny Hoyer, who is one of the most powerful Democrats because in Congress. Because he raises a lot of money. Because he raises a lot of money, uh, who literally told him to bow out. Yeah. And if you... He said to him, like, listen, we're going to keep pouring money into your opponent. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, no matter what. Why? <clears throat> why bother so you know you can keep running if you want to but like basically we're gonna crush you yeah. like he's like very shockingly open about yeah. it didn't he know he was being recorded when he said that I too it seemed like he did because he <laughs> maybe even, not because the guy who's recording him though he like repeats back yeah. what he said and stuff be like, is Are this you? what you're saying yeah he's like yes yeah that's what i'm saying yeah <laughs> yeah it's really I'd rec- okay fourth or fifth recommendation of the podcast <laughs> check that out yeah definitely but yeah, so basically, we don't need to get too far much further into the article because I think you get the point, which is that Democrats overwhelmingly do not give a shit about what their base wants and keep supporting moderates because moderates are going to be the ones that pass bills that will allow them to keep their donors happy. Mm-hmm. And as long as their keep donors the are happy, in. money's coming in. The gravy train's still rolling, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have, like, three different articles here that have, like, a lot of data, actually, and have looked at, like, looking across multiple studies that show, basically, that we are, like, I mean, I don't want to be, like, hyperbolic, but, like, democracy is under, like, serious, serious threat. And it's not because Donald Trump is president. Right. You know what I mean? It's like a a bigger trend. It's happening on in the within the Democratic Party. Yeah. Like it's pretty crazy. And it's it's crazy because like in 
if you think about the first article I told you about, like, okay, so they, they keep pushing moderates. Meanwhile, their base is turning way more leftist, basically. They're acknowledging yeah. systemic and, and broadly accepting systemic mm-hmm. reasons over individual causes for failings or whatever, for everything, for oppression, basically. Right. They are less likely to be racist now than they were not that long ago. <laughs> Under good. Bill Clinton, for example. Yeah. It's very good. Um, very racist policies. Obviously. Yeah. But the base is getting further and further left. Meanwhile, they keep pushing moderates. And on the whole, the centrists are like, let's cancel this thing altogether. <laughs> like, let's get rid of democracy yeah, and elections yeah. altogether. Yeah. So... These are just three articles I happened to come across this week. <laughs> They're a little alarming. <laughs> yeah. And obviously the answer is we need more democracy, you know. Yeah, big time. Because we're sliding into oligarchy. Yeah, and... big time. And I guess this makes me feel a little bit like, you know, yes, you can say that voting doesn't matter that much and whatever. But, like, I think when you look at how um, it seems like there is, like, concerted effort to capture and get rid of democracy mm-hmm. and at minimum that democracy is under threat by those people who are most comfortable like because i assume if you're a centrist you're not in either extreme that means you don't think things need to change that much mm-hmm. pretty happy with the status quo um so when you and obviously the democrats that are already in power that are pushing moderates are fine with the status quo nancy pelosi was just out here the other day asked about what do you think about was it, uh, I think it was about, like, people kneeling. And she said, like, during... I didn't hear about this. Yeah, she was asked, like, something about how do you feel. Like, she was doing another CNN town hall meeting, like, the last time when she said, oh, we're just capitalists, deal with it. <laughs> she says, stop talking. I know. So she's out here again, and someone asked her, I guess, about the NFL protests. And she said, I love the national anthem. I'm from Baltimore. That's where it was written during the War of 1812. <laughs> So I'm very possessive. Oh, oh no, wait. Okay, okay. Let, so she gave a long-winded ass response. Of but course, here's the part that, that matters the most. I love the national anthem. I love the flag, Pelosi said. I, I love the flag. Don't get me wrong. Beautiful. Beautiful flag. And I love the First Amendment. And I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, my so, God. So no position. Even less. Nothing to yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. I love the national anthem. I love the flag. I love the First Amendment. Let's leave it at that. Enough said. <laughs> you could not leave me. I'm more confused than before the question was asked. Well, it's like, are you are you a patriot who's mad that they don't love the flag? Don't worry. Nancy loves the flag. Do you love Why the First Amendment this? and think that they should be around, allowed to protest? Don't worry. Nancy loves the First Amendment. Why Whatever. She has everyone, this? everything to everyone. She represents San Francisco. I know. I know, dude. I know. <laughs> but like we were just talking about, it doesn't matter. They just love moderates. That's yeah. just their preference. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in a very safe leftist district or if you're in a competitive. Oh, oh you're going to hear Ella. <laughs> Should we just let her finish? Yeah. Very thirsty. Very thirsty, dog. So long. She's just going to drink the whole thing. (laughs) Good girl. Good job. You got all that water. Um, 
I don't really remember what the fuck we were talking about. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, but so Nancy's happy to basically mold herself to be everything to everyone. Doesn't matter whether she's in the most leftist district, like, you know, San Francisco. Yeah. Well, it's not, I mean, there's a lot of rich fucks there too, but most, whatever. you know, left liberal li- district. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or if she's in, you know, a more competitive district, she is a moderate because as we saw, that's their preference. You know, that's yeah. who they want to be. That's why, like, it's always funny when people are sort of like, acting like Democrats are the resistance or, like, mm-hmm. they're going to do something to change anything because they're not. Like, they're that's not, not That's not who they are. Yeah, it's true. I always do really give credit to... I mean, I don't agree with him on lots of things, but Jenk from The Young Turks mm. has this great analysis where he says, Democrats are losers because that's what they're there for. Mm. And they're there to lose. And not just to lose, but they're there to be gatekeepers to keep liberals from winning. Or leftists, I would say in our case, from winning. Right? Because donors need basically gatekeepers to keep us from implementing any type of reform that would slow down their production. Yeah. And I think that it's pretty clear. Because once you start looking at it that way, and you start looking at it from the lens of, they will do anything to make sure that they crush the leftist over the Republican, you start to see why they lose over and over again. And I'll be listening to other podcasts where people are like pretty smart and they're talking and they're doing some good analysis and then they're frustrated. Why aren't the Democrats listening to their base? Why are they running a former Marine or whatever the fucks, whatever conservative they found to run as a Democrat? And the answer is because that's what they're there for. That's what they're paid to do. I guess you have to conclude that. Once you start looking through that lens, just apply it. Next time you see a situation where you're like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Why don't they want to win? Then you look at it through this lens and you'll realize, oh no, it makes perfect sense. This is what yeah. benefits their donors. They they could be a much stronger party. If, yeah, if for sure. that's what they wanted. It's interesting because they're not even seeking their own power the way no. we assume politicians are like... No, that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's the big con. They're not even acting in their own self-interest. That's in the a big way. con because we think, oh, they want to win. They're just incompetent, right. or they don't seem to get it. Like that's what I used to think. Like especially like during the Bush years, I used to think, oh, they just don't know that there are a lot of people who are really strongly yeah, leftist no. or anti-war yeah, or hate Bush. I felt that way because I felt like, oh, this mentality coming from Bush and his Republicans is, like, corrupting the whole culture. Totally, and especially back then when it was, like, um, saying liberal was a dirty word, you mm. had to be a patriot, we couldn't, yeah. you know, our disagreements stop at the nation's waters Borders, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all that shit. So I was like, oh, they just don't get it. Like, they could be such a stronger party. They could win for generations if they just realized who their base is. Yeah. But... They know who their base is, and if they didn't, we have now Twitter and Facebook and all these different ways to very directly communicate with them. It's not Mm -hmm. like before where it was like, well, maybe they only hear their donors. No, they can hear us very directly, and also we're voting that way. Also, Bernie almost won the fucking... Even more so than voting, like, every poll on every issue, you know, goes in the Democrats' favor, at least by, like, 5%. Yes. You know? So if they actually tackled the problems that stopped them from actually winning, like gerrymandering and money in politics, they could win more. They could have more power. Yeah. But that's not, they're not even putting that on the agenda. 
Yeah, totally. Oh, she's so cute. They're not winning by courting donors, right? Yeah. If they... Yeah, if they attacked money in politics, they would win more than if they got more money from donors. Yeah, but they're clearly, they're well, but obviously they're not interested in power, they're interested in money. Yeah. I mean, as evidenced by their actions. I guess. Maybe it's ideological too. I mean, maybe I mean, they I, are maybe, just I mean I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure at this point. Like, Nancy Pelosi is rich as fuck. She's like the, what, third richest congressperson? Yeah. It's like Daryl Issa, someone else, and her, I think. Like, it's not a surprise that her politics are going to align, you know, a lot yeah. more closely with her donors than with me. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, overall, it's very clear that they are there to be gatekeepers and keep leftists out. Right. They're not your friends. They don't want you, you know. <laughs> if I don't we vote care, for them I'm more, to... things aren't going to get more exactly. like what we want. Exactly. I don't care if we start a new party or if we want to take over the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Whatever doesn't matter to me because obviously there are a lot of leftists who are winning there's a lot of just liberal people who are beating regular democrats so it's it's happening it's gonna happen but i just think we need to be aware of what the democrats project is compared to what we want you know as leftists and obviously what we want isn't progressive isn't you know capital p progressives But uh, but, we'll be but at this point, yeah, like they're aligned with us on enough that I think voting for them. Is yeah, a if you're gonna forward. offer me a racist capitalist or a woke capitalist, I'll <laughs> yeah. take the woke capitalist. Well, it's not even that. Like progressives want Medicare for all. They want yeah. a higher minimum wage. Yeah. you know they attack money in politics. They attack gerrymandering. Like yeah, yeah. There's a little more to work with there. Yeah, and there's also hope to push them further left. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could, I think it's easy to imagine the Democratic Party becoming the progressive party. Yeah. I think it really is. Yeah. I think it, it's easy that, to imagine someone like Ro Khanna or whatever. Like, imagine if you primaried him further from the left, mm-hmm. you could get him to go pretty far left because of his own beliefs. Yeah. You know, and because he wants to win, right? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, if we had more people like him that are generally the Democratic Party, it'd be easier to keep pulling them left, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to tell you about. Our democracy is under threat. And normally when people say that, I think it's really stupid and hyperbolic. But <laughs> I don't know. Reading these articles made me feel a little, ooh. Yeah, well, when you see that it's under threat from centrists. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it seem a lot scarier. Yeah, exactly. Because those are the people with power, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Most people are not happy with how America is. So if you are, there's a good chance, you know, you've got some power, you got some money. And that means you you can enact your will and you have the freedom to do what you want a lot more easily in this country. Yeah, yeah. The more money, the more freedom. That's I mean, that's true. Yeah. That's in when I was younger, I used to not understand why people wanted money so much. Like mm. I really did not get it, especially when you're younger like in high school and you don't really have a sense of what money is cuz like and, yeah. you know, your parents are taking care of your needs. And it's almost like a talking point from our culture that like oh, money is not the most important thing in the yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah. But as you get older, you realize, oh, like, if I want to travel, if I want the freedom to travel, I need money. If mm-hmm. I want the freedom to live, healthcare, I need money. You know, yeah. if I want, you money know, is... so it just starts to accumulate and you just realize as you get older, like, oh, the more limited my funds are, the more limited my freedom is, which is so interesting because fucking Republicans love to, I don't, the way they, they talk about freedom is so different and it's so divorced from reality yeah 
You know, uh, a quick mention that's sort of related, especially to this, that we're saying this instant, is Megan Day has a good article in Jacobin about uh, the myth of the temporarily embarrassed millionaire. Mm, I did see that. Yeah. I think I even started to read it, but it yeah. must have stopped. So that's like a famous it. Fitzgerald quote. Right. Um, I guess he was probably talking to Europeans, and he's like, look, the problem with America is even the working class, you know, people think that one day they can be a millionaire. Yeah. It's a country of temporarily embarrassed millionaires. And polling doesn't bear that out. Right. A majority of people, regardless of party, think that we should help the poor. Yeah. They don't, I think it said that they don't blame the poor for being poor. Um, And a a large majority, like, don't think we should have social programs that benefit the rich. Yeah. So that turns out to just be a complete myth. Yeah, and it's also just like... The economic reality is, like, just getting more real. (laughs) So, like, um, I read this article, um, shout out to Mike for sharing it with me, um, on The Atlantic called, uh, like, The Rise of, or The New Aristocrats, or The Rise of the New Aristocrats, Mm. something like that. Yeah, I gotta read that one. Yeah, it was really good. It's pretty long, but I I think it's pretty well worth reading. And apparently there's a rebuttal in Slate, but I haven't read that yet. Oh, awesome. (laughs) We should do more, like, Slate content. I know. We We really should. We used to consume a lot of Slate content back in, what, like, 2012 before... Yeah, like kind of right after we left college, and, like, we didn't know exactly where to find shit to read that we we wanted to read. Yeah, we're adults, we want to hear interesting stuff, and then, like became immediately disillusioned but like just kept listening anyway because we didn't know what else was out yeah well there wasn't a lot of other stuff out that's part of why we started making our own podcast was because we were like fuck fuck these podcasts like (laughs) what's the article about oh so the article is about uh this class of um what he calls like the 9.99 percent who i think to be a member of the class you have to have like at least a million dollars in net worth and then i think their median was like two point five, 2.8, I don't know, something like that. So pretty high. Yeah. And he said that, I think he said, like, in the 80s, to join that class, you would have to get six times what your parents earned to Mm. end up in that class. So that was, like, the 80s. Today, it's 12 times. Wow. So it doubled. Like, the amount that you have to raise your wealth from the middle class to enter the top 10%, just to enter... Mm -hmm is now 12 times what it used uh, yeah. double what it used to be 12 times what the income of like your parents was basically mm-hmm. in the middle class which is impossible yeah. that's that's impossible unless you invent something or you become like the coupon cabin king or <laughs> I, I was watching yeah. the real housewives of new york city and one of them has a boyfriend who she used to be like this socialite uh at heiress and now she's like dating a guy who has, like, a Coupon King website where he, he has, like, those coupon codes that you enter. Yeah, yeah. And, He's like, uh, well, that's made of a fucking... Not or whatever. He, but it's, like, Coupon Cabin. It's, it's like, some <laughs> knockoff Retail Me Not. Anyway, that made him, like, a fucking millionaire, yeah. okay? You have to do something really stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be, like, a daily vlogger. You have to be, like, a god-tier Yeah, vlogger. yeah. You have to be, like, Jake Paul or yeah. something. Like, yeah. you have to, like, literally become an empty shell of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> to get 12 times what your parents yeah. did. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just not realistic to even imagine yourself as a temporary embarrassed millionaire anymore. Because 
Mm, For most of us, I mean, you just look at how big that gap is between you and them, and it's like, no, that's not something I could ever reasonably aspire to. There's no way people actually felt that way when Fitzgerald said it either. I agree. I'm just saying. The tail end of the robber baron era. I agree. I'm just saying it's even less likely... You know, then but that's another. Be. I guess. That, I guess maybe not compared. To I guess the I thought that era. tied in because um, even democratic centrists want us to believe the rhetoric of like, well, we have to cut taxes or we're not going to grow jobs. You know. Yeah. Oh, we can't tax the rich because that will cause problems for everybody else. Yeah, we can't and, pay minimum wage. Yeah, but nobody Hillary was this. like, well, maybe we could do it in some places, but. We can't do it everywhere. People in Ohio don't need fifteen dollars an hour. It's like, so fuck awful. Off. Fuck How, off. Like, you're just bad at what you're doing. And you're not even. Yeah. Yeah. But uh. I know yeah. and you're appealing. Ohio's a swing state. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like wouldn't the idea be that you should be like, we need to do this everywhere, especially in the swing states, right? Wouldn't you want to appeal yeah. like just nakedly, like just selfishly appeal for your own yeah, yeah. Want, like needs to these people instead of like lecturing them about how sad and boring their lives are and how they definitely mm-hmm. don't need more money? Yeah, yeah. We so, should yeah. do a we should do an episode on hatred of democracy in the future. At least chapter two. That's the one I was talking about. Okay, it's fun. It's cool. Yeah. But uh, we'll take a break. Okay. And then uh, we'll see what happens next. Okay. That might be our first ever break. Yeah. No, I think we took a break once in the fir- one of the first ten episodes to be. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so there's one other thing I wanted to tell you about, which is TV-related, because obviously we just do politics. Not that I feel the need to do politics on TV every episode, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I watched this show called Made in Chelsea. We used to both watch it, but Adam dropped off, which it's is fair. Good. It's not good. <laughs> I don't know why I still watch it, except, I don't know. I guess that I happens, just, I mean... Like, yeah. Sometimes you get habituated to the rhythms of a TV show. And yeah. That's what appeals to you. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed to be a reality TV show. It's not real at all. It's, it's obviously very like... scripted. It's very oh, like the hills. I have another recommendation all of a sudden. Okay. Who's that podcaster that does the interviews with reality stars? Oh, Kate Casey. Yeah. I wish we had thought of that Reality four years Life ago. with Kate Casey. I know. We could have done that. Although I guess she's in LA. I feel like you have to be in LA to do yeah, something Yeah, she used like to do PR. But she did uh, like an interview with um, Heidi from the hills oh yeah which i used to think previously was the most fake reality show yeah but we learned a lot of interesting stuff about the hills for her basically everything was real yeah and um she talks a lot about how lauren tried to force her off the show and stuff it was really interesting and how the fact that lauren came from a rich family and felt entitled and had a dad who would call the producers on her behalf and yell at them, and they were afraid of her rich dad suing them, <laughs> yep. meant that she had a lot more control over the show, and she basically mm-hmm. called it her show. And then I actually listened to another interview with Justin Bobby, who health fans will you know, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, as the bad boy hairdresser that <laughs> broke Audrina's heart. Um, <laughs> but uh, he talked about it being obviously very fake as well. And he talked about how um, awful Lauren and Lowe and those rich girls mm-hmm. were and how badly they treated Audrina and him and how, again, they treated it like it was their show. And if they didn't like someone, like yeah. high school, like they can kick them out. And the whole romance between them was totally concocted yeah. and not real. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. for Heidi, it was all it was all real. Yeah. Like she was actually working in her job, whereas Lauren, obviously, it was a fake job. And she was trying to go to school. And yeah. part of the reason she dropped out is because they were paying Lauren's tuition, but not hers. Yeah. And Lauren had money to pay her tuition, but Heidi didn't. And Heidi had to work, too, for the show. Like, she had to, she was supposed to have a job for the show. And she was, for the job, they required her to be there for the whole shift. Yeah. Even though they didn't have anything to do. But they wouldn't give her, her anything to do. Yeah. She, like, told them, like, please give me work. Otherwise, I'm just going to quit. I don't know why I'm here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired of staring at, like, a blank, you know, computer screen for eight hours yeah. a day. I mean, this was pre-Facebook, basically. Like, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? I anyway, anyway. Anyway. Seventh recommendation of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was watching uh, Made in Chelsea, and... Um, like, when we started, they were, like, closer to our age, and then, like, a lot of the people have cycled out, so now they have, like, a much younger group of people who are probably, like... Use the word cohort. I like the word cohort. Okay, cohort. They um, have a much younger cohort. Uh, yeah, and they're probably, like, I don't know, in early, early 20s, like, 22, 23, somewhere in mm-hmm. there. Um, so, there was a scene... Can I, I describe the show briefly for people who haven't seen it? Okay. It's basically the hills in a fancy suburb of London. Chelsea. Called Chelsea. And uh, basically the show's plot is here are a bunch of young people with Instagram filters over the whole show. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very, very, very wealthy. They're very, very, very wealthy. Like Chelsea is like near... Okay, now... I know that there are British people that listen to this show, so please feel free to correct me. I have been to London, but it's been a while, so I don't remember exactly. But I'm pretty sure, like, it's near, like, Kensington Palace and shit like that, which is, like, that's where, like, Diana and Prince Charles lived. So, like, that's the neighborhood that these people are in. So, like, if you're in a neighborhood where, like, the royals hang, you're in a pretty fancy Mm -hmm. fucking neighborhood. Uh, And these kids are super uptight about sex. And Wildly relationships. uptight, yeah. It's and really weird. every season is about... They one don't of the... have, like, a casual hookup culture. No, except that every season is about the boys cheating on their girlfriend. Right. Every season. Which would be every solved with a casual hookup culture. Yeah. Because clearly they just want to hook up with girls. But yeah. in order to do that, they first have to make them their girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll hook up with them. And then guess what? Now they want to... Every season. Yeah. There's a rumor for... going around that you cheated. Yeah. I'm telling you, I didn't cheat. Yeah. I didn't cheat. Six episodes later, you cheated. Yeah, and Every it's like season. season 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Multiple characters per season, usually. Yeah. So yeah. this season, there's a new character. His name is Sam Prince. And he had a girlfriend. I forget her fucking name. I, let's say Ellie or Emma. They always have some name. Oh, like they that. always have a name like Fanny or yeah. Millie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sophie. It's always with an E. Uh, Binky, you know? Binky, Yes. <laughs> famously binky yeah um that's someone who like no one expected to ever have to go get a real job you know what i mean Mm, like if you're used to being called binky (laughs) that's like someone no one thought like she's gonna have to go into an interview i know her real name isn't binky but still like and it 
introduce herself as like, "Hi, oh, I'm please Binky." Please call me Binky. Yeah, that's why when we saw someone Buffy is named Buffy is running, I'm like, she comes from a rich as fuck mm. family. Like, all the boys are named Spencer, or they have two names. Yeah, like John Paul. Yeah, or Mark, Mark Francis, Francis. Obviously, yeah. yeah. My favorite. Okay, one of my favorite <laughs> tweets. Nobody laughed at it. I was like, if I had a, a one of those display names where you combine two names, Mark Francis Fukuyama. Nice. Perfect. Nice. Great. That Nobody is a great one. I, that's because that's a very niche. Like, <laughs> people who watch Made in Chelsea have no idea who Francis <laughs> is. And vice versa. I yeah. mean, yeah. Okay, people on. who read The End of History are not Made yeah. in Chelsea fans, I think. <laughs> That's why we have a podcast. Um, yeah, exactly. To, to meet this non-existent I know, audience. I know, I know, it's true. <laughs> That's why we're not kidding when we're like, please, tweet us, message us. Like, we want to know you. Like, if this Who appeals you? to you. <laughs> because we need to meet you. Like, we don't have other friends, like, that are this weird. <laughs> yeah, you also made, just speaking of niche Twitter jokes, you also made a joke where you said something like, um, it's a little known fact that angles the more doctrinaire marx brother yeah is like was a big fan of 10-step korean beauty regimens yeah and i was like and you're like no one like nobody this. i retweeted i was like i think this deserved three likes yeah and it still didn't get <laughs> it's like that's because this you made this joke for me like <laughs> who else is interested in 10-step korean skincare regimens and marks <laughs> like or angles or what you know like i yeah. told you i was like he was the more bougie of the two so this really yeah. does ring true but, <laughs> but anyway I th- that's one where i was like showering in the morning and i thought of it and i like was <laughs> laughing to myself and i was like i have to remember this i have to remember this when i got ready for work because i was running late and then i got You're like to oh, this is gonna kill yeah <laughs> but anyway so, okay, so we have Sam Prince, we have his girlfriend. It turns out he, like, introduces her to some people, and then one of those friends says, like, pulls Sam aside and says, hey, uh, it was really nice to meet your girlfriend. However, I have a friend who we don't see on the show um, who said that she hooked up with you, like, yesterday. So what's up? <laughs> like, what's going on? And she's like, do you want to, like, tell your girlfriend? Like, I don't want to, like, call you out, but, like, you know you should tell your girlfriend because yeah. it's really fucked up. So this is the normal plot point that happens every yes. season. So then times. he denies it for a while, which is also a normal mm-hmm. plot point. Um, and then it comes out, actually, he cheated on her with five different girls over the last week. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> pretty gross. Uh, so at this point, she, you know, dumps him. She meets with him to give him back some of his shit. She dumps, she like shows up in like, um, you know, like a, like, like a mesh suit that you wear that's like sexy lingerie. Like a bodysuit? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she like shows up in one of those with a leather skirt, which is just hilarious. (laughs) And like heels. It's like, I mean, I get what she's doing. She's trying to to do that thing. I show up. Yeah. It looks so good, but But she like totally went off it was, the rails with yeah her. because she's like 19 because these children are too young <laughs> to be on television but anyway so she shows up she throws like a martini glass at his or not the glass but the drink in his face she i, I was imagining them outside like his apartment no <laughs> she no brought no a suitcase of his stuff in a martini glass. no he's she comes okay i need to set up this scene for you a little bit it's like a very fancy bar that looks like 
maybe like it should be a bar inside of like an opera house or something. <laughs> like it's it's like gilded, like uh-huh. you know, looking like there's gold filigrees. It's the only place they go to drink. There's made columns in Chelsea. for some reason. You yeah. know, they're either they're going like marble to, floors. They're either going to a place like that or to like one of the characters' terrible bands show. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, or uh, also very often to like um, one of the characters' fathers' bars. Like Lucy's dad mm. owned a bunch of bars that they went to all the time. <laughs> So anyway, uh, they uh, meet up. He is wearing a black turtleneck Steve Jobs style. Oh, my God. She's coming in with this mesh bodysuit and leather <laughs> skirt. Uh, he gets the drink thrown in his face, and she, like, dumps his box of shit on the floor and leaves. And then she goes and meets up with his friend, uh, they're supposed to be, like, good friends. This guy named Miles, who looks like a kind of like a young Johnny Depp. They hang out, and they, I think they kiss or whatever. Anyway, the next day, Sam Prince calls Miles because he's learned that they he was hanging out with his ex-girlfriend, and he's pissed. And they meet up to talk about it, and he says, like, how dare you? You're, you disgust me. Like, you're a terrible friend. This is very you're a typical. terrible person. Very typical Made in Chelsea fair. Yeah. It's very much, like... Boys code, girls code kind of stuff. Yes, yes. Like very middle school. Okay, so here's the shocking part. Miles says, I disgust you. You're disgusting me. You cheated on her with five different girls in seven days. That's gross. And yeah, I told her that she's beautiful and she deserves better (laughs) because everyone does basically. (laughs) Wow. And it was like... Like, full-on mind-blown. Because I have watched ten seasons of Made in Chelsea, where over and over again, the answer is, ah, you know, boys be boys. Like, this is just how we do. And the boys always stick together. And the boys, like, congratulate each other on being players and not being held down. And lie for each other. And the other guys would normally be like, oh, Miles, you're a snake for trying to get with his girl. But instead, Miles was like, she needed a friend at this moment. I was trying to be there for her. Like, and it seemed genuine. It wasn't like in like the snaky way. In fact, she later is telling her friends that she kissed him because she like wanted to, but he wasn't like trying to come on to her. Mm. And she was like almost like surprised by that. So it's very interesting. That's awesome. Yeah, and in, and I don't know that actually their relationship goes anywhere after this. I'm surprised but it was that like so cool. I'm to surprised see... that it didn't like melt TV sets. I know, like... I know, and I looked and like no one was tweeting about it, which was weird to me. But I was so surprised to see that. Oh my gosh, like things are changing. <laughs> like <laughs> a younger guy came in, yeah. and compared to these old guys that have been there for 10 seasons who think it's really cool to cheat on their girlfriends and totally normal, yeah. and their girlfriends just stop being so sensitive about it and start <laughs> being cool girls, <laughs> to see this guy who was like, yeah, she needed a friend. Yeah, I told her, like, she deserves better. Yes, I hung out with her because she's really fucking sad right now, and you're And you didn't treat her like a human being. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and to like call his friend out like that, I don't know. It's a it's a small thing. I don't know that this bodes well for Miles in terms of coming back to Made in Chelsea because he <laughs> is not creating the drama. I think that they're yeah. looking for necessarily, but it was really cool to see, and it was really interesting. I think to maybe see a little bit that like you know, yeah, female empowerment 
women are people too. This this kind <laughs> stuff of stuff is trickling down to regular old guys. <laughs> I did I did remember this halfway through when you're telling it to me because when you told me that this kid said this, it was so shocking to me. Yeah, it's almost like. If on regular show, they wandered into the real world one episode and somebody was like, you guys keep doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, just really interesting to see the sudden change on the show. Yeah. It's like a complete shattering of the format of the show. Yeah. All of a also because like they ignore politics. Like yeah. as far as they're concerned, like elections don't happen. Any major event that you could imagine in the world that's happened in the last 10 years is absent of Made in Chelsea. It's like how friends like never acknowledge that like 9-11 happened, right, you know? Yeah. So it was really strange to suddenly basically see like, well, he is influenced by the world around him and the world has changed in the last 10 mm. years and respecting women isn't such a wild and crazy idea, <laughs> I guess, as it was, yeah. you know, to these at least upper class Chelsea men. And... He is just looking at his friend like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, and his friend is clearly much more, he, he came on the show earlier and has been influenced more acclimated. by, yeah, these other guys that have been on the show. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was really interesting to me. So I wanted to tell you about it. Yeah. This, that was where we got excited, too, is when we were talking about Made in Chelsea. That's where we got loud and yeah. energetic. <laughs> right at the end, right on time. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if maybe next episode, if we could talk about Southern Charm. I don't know if we have anything to say, but it's just so good lately. Yeah. Well, that's another show episode. where the politics are changing. Like, everyone used to side with the men against the women, yeah, basically. Especially Catherine. And now it's like girl gang and they're taking down the old boys club and they're like <laughs> sticking together. Yeah, It's yeah. like the politics around us are changing the storylines on these reality yeah, I shows. Guess so. Yeah. I mean, just changing prevailing views, right? Like just how when I was in high school, I would call myself a feminist. I was mm-hmm. in a minority. Now everyone's a feminist. <laughs> yeah. And yes, that means no one's a feminist, but it, I guess it does... To some extent, it does actually yeah. touch, you know, trickle down and touch people that th- wouldn't have otherwise. I think heard especially of it. on Southern Charm because, like, you know, you watch watch what happens live, so you get to see them, you know, in real time, like talking and responding to themselves on TV, and yeah. it's like very clearly this show has made contact with the real world because it's happening close to real time, yeah. and they're getting feedback on themselves and their performance. So, like. I think if it wasn't for that, Craig probably would not still have a sewing machine and sort of half-assedly use it. Like, right. I think he probably got a lot of feedback from the real world that like, oh, that's a cool thing to do. That's yeah. cool that you're doing that. Which yeah. Which is true. Because right? no one on the show supports it. Yeah. Because <clears throat> they Catherine live in such a retro Catherine tries to, but state. you can tell she's like, so are you just going to keep making pillowcases? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she would probably support him if he was better at it. Well, but it's he just seems to not be advancing like, in his yeah, skill set. Yeah, you can just tell she's trying to like ask if he's going to start making anything other than square pillowcases <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> without like hurting his feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's like really oblivious to it. He's like, no, it just makes me feel real good. <laughs> okay, that's the end. All right. I love you. Thanks for being here. Have a good day. Check Lubitsa out on Drive Twitter. Drive safe. Thank you for being <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, we never plug our Twitters. Yes, Col- at Cold Pizza Party is mine, mm-hmm. and Adam is at Bone Camaro. Yeah, yeah. You can check us out on iTunes and leave a leave a rating. Yeah, a review. You don't have to do any of that stuff, but it's there. 
We're not those people that recorded one episode of a podcast and immediately started a Patreon before we even got like an episode out that didn't have giant gaps in the audio. Yeah, I really can't. I mean, I'm so happy to see so many podcasts. Like, I'm definitely not one of those people. Like leftist podcasts. We're cool. Yeah, we're like before the trend. So like, we're better. No, I consume podcasts. I need more podcasts. I'm happy to have podcasts. We live and breathe podcasts. Please, it's our life. <laughs> if you make a podcast before you start asking for money, please, please learn how to master your audio, okay? Yeah. Please do not blow my ears out by suddenly getting wildly loud yeah. and then getting so quiet I have to turn it up, but then after I turn it up for a while, you suddenly get loud again and my ears are like bleeding. Please like, do not have different speakers at different volumes, yeah, you know, different yeah. uh, people yeah. at different levels. Yeah. Just please work that shit out. If you don't know how to work it out, contact us. Yeah. We will help you. <laughs> like yeah. Adam makes noise. Like he knows how to use Audacity very well. <laughs> he will help you. Like please. Like just don't. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Like I don't no. know. It makes me feel a little bit mad at you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Nice. Oh, you picked the music this time. Are you gonna play? Oh. Uh, I'll play an old Chance song. Okay, cool. I don't know which one yet. Yeah. But I'll probably play an old Chance song. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Casino. I just got back with Bino. I got a bitch, but she know her friends then did the Dino. That's that Chicago lingo. Blame it hot with cheese and a kiwi mystic. My dick won't even collar, cause she left all that lipstick. Niggas be on dirt, that's why I stay on petty. I know that banger's gym, that's why my hands stay ready. Flip the candy yum, that's the fucking bomb is. Lean all on the square, that's a fucking rhombus. Talk to you on the phone again, leaving the ham on the road again. So bitch, let's fuck so I can smoke again. I gotta smoke again, I got shit to do. Now I'm gonna talk to you on the phone again, leaving the ham on the road again. So bitch, let's fuck so I can smoke again. I gotta smoke again, I got shit to do. Now I'm gonna talk to you on the phone again, leaving the ham on the road again. So bitch, let's fuck so I can smoke again. I gotta smoke again, I got shit to do. Now I'm gonna talk to you on the phone again. Who's sneaking in the club? That's that young sir rapper. Hunter ran wrapped the purple. Wrap that blunt under after. Smoke all out the window. Cops can eat a dick. If you ain't the hitter, you just might be the lick. Flame on, flame on. I'm yo, bitches rank so. She like when I rap, rap, but bad on when I sing. So I'm gonna drape, but I get my tray on. Killing in the hood like Trayvon. Shopping like I got a coupon. Saving like I got a cape on. Cooking, cracking my apron. Dressed like a nigga had apron.
songs Tell shorty I made change and I made it and I napalm Trippy shit to watch Drugs while on the clock Acid on the face That's a work of art Solo, ho, ho, twerk something Throw it back like you trying to hurt something I'm so deaf I ain't never heard nothing My name herb, take herb, smoke herb Say <laughs> How about you? No dat, but I'll take a pound or two No doubt, like when still find these group Look, let me put my mouth where you potty, boo Ah! <laughs> yeah, them niggas piss need potty train They movement shit, that's a potty train She ain't left yet, but she probably came We kicked it, then I scored Soccer game she was a phony goalie, I got great aim, no don't insult me I'll give it to you straight, this is what she told me My name's Solo, cause I'm the one and only She only got you as a nigga on the side That's a nigga on the side of a side, bitch Man, we got out of Dodge Like them Dukes of Hazard. Music and tabs of Lucy Take your chance with this rapper Let's fuck, swag, and smoke again. I got a smoke again. I got shit to do now.